0: never ever marks the spot I am altering the people pray I don't alter it any further he doesn't believe he exists, the ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm
1: oh, Batman. Hello everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that enjoys a nice crunchy roll after our adult swim. My name is Drew, I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter,
0: here how's it going
1: (laughs) i'm good did i did i catch you in a drink here as a pause
0: there (laughs) no i was i was gonna make some uh pun based on your uh intro joke and then i kind of just couldn't think of anything so that's all good
1: um so actually in a uh big uh in the world of covid we live in there's actually a bunch of news to talk about uh cool so um yeah, let's not delay because we could be on some of these topics and this could make us go on some tangents. So, oh, fun. <laughs> um, all right. And you know, maybe not, maybe they will. I just because some of it's like pretty straightforward, like, oh, hey, there we go. Um, but uh, but yeah, so what are you uh, watching? What are we reading?
0: Yeah, so uh, the one thing that uh, I watched since our last episode is this uh, new show on Netflix called Ratchet. Are you familiar with this at all?
1: How about this? I know of this. I know what it is. And I've had a few people tell me I need to watch it. Um, So spoil away.
0: (laughs) Right. So so I enjoyed this show a lot. Um, I don't want to say too much because it is really easy to get uh, into spoilers with this show, especially if you go into the premise. But it's essentially it opens with a there's this guy who commits a I don't know how many people it has to be to be considered a mass murderer, but it starts with a gruesome murder scene of, um, four priests who are staying together. in I don't know if it was a monastery or just a home that they stayed in, but, Mm. um, it goes into that guy being transferred to a mental institution where he's staying and this, and then it cuts to this woman who I can't remember the actress's name, but she's in like a lot of, she's in American Horror Story, like every season of American Horror Story. And I've seen her, Sarah Paulson. Yeah, there you go. So it cuts to her and her character basically connives her way into working for this uh, mental institution that this guy is transferred to. So, you know, there's some connection between both of them, but you don't necessarily know why or what's going on. Um, But it's kind of... At, especially at the beginning, the biggest sort of draw for me to this show was how conniving and manipulative uh, Sarah Paulson's character actually is. Um, and it's overall, I enjoyed the show a lot. It's um, my one complaint about the show is, or I guess I have two small complaints. One is watching it, I had no idea what direction the show was going in at first. And then two is, I think. Certain parts of the show move a little too slow for me. Like overall, I enjoy it a lot, but some of it just focuses a little bit too much on the drama of everything as opposed to just kind of moving on and showing us what happens next. With all that being said, I had no idea that this show is technically a prequel to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. (laughs) So it was actually, so we watched the whole series and it's like, so far, the first season is eight episodes long, and we were on episode six or seven seven when I saw in the opening credits that this is based on characters from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, I'm completely unfamiliar with that book or story or whatever. <laughs> so I just thought this was like its own thing. And I think that kind of led to the whole aspect where. I had no idea what direction the story was going in because I'm unfamiliar with the source material. I think if you jump onto the show and you kind of know that this is a prequel to one flew over the cuckoo's nest, you you'll probably get more out of it than me. Even though I enjoyed it a lot, you'll probably, it's probably one of those things where you're going to know what the characters are doing. You're kind of going to probably know the gist of a lot of things before you know, or I guess just going in where I had to actually figure a lot out. Uh, regardless, um, as people have been telling you, this this show is really good. It's awesome drama. There's some really, really good acting. Um, there's, I think the writing overall is really clever and really good. And uh, the strongest thing I can say about this show is the way it's shot is actually really cool. Like the cinematography is really really well done um and it's it's really captivating at a lot of points from the cinematography aspect um so definitely check out ratchet um i don't know if you have any comments or anything i only had one more uh watching thing to mention
1: <laughs> uh no uh, well how about this all i know is that there's i mean everyone just told me to check out the show um or how about this? The few people I've talked to about, I've all said, check out the show. Um, so I recently just learned about it. So, I mean, you're not telling me anything I don't already know. So you haven't really spoiled it for me. So that means you probably didn't spoil it for anyone
0: else. Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't want I don't want to spoil anything. I try to be as spoiler free as possible. And especially with this show, it could get really, really easy to spoil stuff. But um, yeah, yeah. Check it out. It's it's pretty pretty good overall. I I like it. Um, The other show that I've been watching a lot of is just I've been watching a lot of The Office lately. I'm kind of on an office kick, which is pretty cool just because I haven't. So The Office used to be and it might still be, but I just don't have cable, but it used to be on uh, TBS and they would just play marathon segments of it. And hey, that's uh, what Comedy Central is doing right now. <laughs> okay. So there you go. And I've never watched the office and I'm talking about the American version of the office. Um, yeah. I've never watched it from start to beginning all the way through. I've kind of just watched so many of those marathon chunks that I've seen almost every episode of a show, but I've never like sat down and watched episode one all the way through to the end. Um the problem is I used to watch it so much that I actually got sick of it. And the office is one of those shows you can watch over and over again. And it's kind of just, I got so oversaturated with it that I just got sick of the show and I'm kind of jumping in and watching the show again after years and years of not watching any episodes. And it's, it's been really fun to revisit these characters and there's a lot of jokes and, uh, subplots and stuff that I've forgotten about. So that's just kind of been, uh, Kind of when I need that background noise or more mindless viewing, it's just been all office for me uh, lately, which has been a really good time. So um, that's honestly the only two things I've watched. Uh, How about you? Um, So I have been on a DC
1: animation binge lately. Um, Oh, cool. So after I finished Harley Quinn, I was like, I really want to watch some more like DC animation, whatever. So I've actually just been watching like late at night, watching like some of the animated films uh, that are on HBO Max just because I don't have to get up and put in a disc. Um, So I've just been kind of poking around and just grabbing random ones, not like in any successful order or anything. Um, So and some of them I've only watched the one time and they're they're all like – I forget how good some of them are, like Batman Assault on Arkham is just amazing what they were trying to do with that. Um, And it kind of makes me wish that the Suicide Squad movie that we got live action was almost like, hey, take that. Here you go. It's all done. Just (laughs) do this. Um, Absolutely. That would have been that would have been an awesome uh, Suicide Squad live action film if they did it. Um, But um, yeah, so I did that. But the one thing, the big thing I did watch this week was the Emmys. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. And this kind of ro- this will roll us in the news a little bit. Um, so the Emmys. Um, this was weird. <laughs> um, this was probably the weirdest thing to watch. I almost turned it off. I almost couldn't like muscle through it yeah. and it's because it was all virtual. Uh, yep. Jimmy Kimmel had a stage he was hosting. Um, to an empty audience and they made some jokes about it and they showed old footage of the Emmy. So it looked like he was in a packed theater and then they Mm -hmm. cut away and they showed like cardboard cutouts, like at the sports arena of people sitting in the audience of like celebrities sitting in the audience. Um, (laughs) And then, and they were doing the pan across the cardboards and then there's Jason Bateman sitting in the office, but it's actually in the, in the stand, but it's really Jason Bateman not moving and trying to be like still as a board. So I mean, they did some funny stuff Uh, at the beginning but once it started, the part that made it difficult for me was they still tried to do the standard show. They still tried to do the jokes. They still tried to do the like stuff that they normally would do, the segments and everything. But this is a virtual award show, so yeah. I got frustrated. And like normally, I don't mind the jokes and gags and stuff where they play with someone in the audience, but they have no audience. Yep. And it felt weird because i was like who cares about this stuff just give me the awards so they were basically doing like two awards a commercial break (laughs)
0: yeah which (laughs) is standard they break to a
1: commercial and i'd be like will you just hurry up already because (laughs) i was i was just honestly i was really frustrated with and they they were doing what they could um so you can't really argue but it was just like you could have really cut this down from three hours to probably one and a half if you did not do the amount of gags that you did
0: yeah or maybe shorten the gags up um yeah I or didn't, I didn't shorten watch the, the gag, shortening the gags are huge um, yeah i didn't watch the emmys um but I've, I've i've heard about how it was virtual but you talking about it now um it kind of makes me think about how um I guess like watching the Oscars or the Emmys or any award show, there's always this level of like, while you're watching it on TV, you're almost like living vicariously through all these people there. And just like, oh man, all of Hollywood is there. Like, that's so cool. And like, you kind of, I think part of the draw is seeing the actors in the audience and seeing everybody there and it kind of feeling like an event. (laughs) So the idea of a, a virtual award show, you know, like that, doesn't sound as exciting to me yeah, so i definitely I think, understand where you're coming from
1: and i enjoy watching the emmys and i enjoy watching the oscars and like i just support the industry so i enjoy this stuff but this yeah. one's a hard one to stomach um i will say that um throughout the comedy category i got really bored through the comedy category because schitt's creek um swept it was every award right. went to Shits creek and i don't have a problem with that happening but it was like kind of boring and i was like okay you know what I mean? It's kind of like <laughs> – it's like watching the Super Bowl when you're like almost to the end of the game and the other – and it's like 47 to zero and you're just like, OK. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like why am I still watching this game? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the weird part. So it was just – it bugged me as a whole. Um, when you got to the drama category a Watchmen, one big, amazing, good for Watchmen um, – uh, such a fan like you know that's good for that's good for watchman that's good for hbo that's good for comic book fans um so good for them for that um when i mentioned this would roll into news um mandalorian we talked last week had won five total awards prior to the emmys because they did the uh, tech awards early yeah so mandalorian rakes in two more for outstanding score and stunts Oh, okay. so mandalorian rakes in a total of seven um emmy awards which is awesome so it was, when shows win emmys they don't go anywhere they stay put they did they're locked in um so awesome yeah yeah, yeah. that is awesome <laughs> um, so that kind of that kind of rolls us literally right into news um, oh cool Yeah, so The Mandalorian gets. uh, The Mandalorian did not win Best Show, which is totally fine uh, because it got beat by Watchmen, and I'm okay with that. Um, So, yeah. But, I mean, it was cool. Um, They had a couple Baby Yoda jokes, but I was kind of hoping for. I was really, like, kind of rooting for The Mandalorian on that one just because The Mandalorian, I feel like in the world we live in and everything going on in the world, I feel like the Mandalorian is a breath of fresh air and, um, and it takes you somewhere else and it takes you away from the place we live in. And that's why I was like, kind of high hopes, like, Hmm, maybe they'll do it just because it's so out of the box.
0: Yeah, that's true. The the only thing I'm thinking is like the Watchmen is done as a series and the Mandalorian is going to keep going. So they're going to have more chances, um, at upcoming Emmys and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, very true. And that's another thing. Shits Creek is also ending. So there you go. Um, that might actually be a part of it. I don't know. Cause game of Thrones started winning a whole bunch of stuff. Game of Thrones was like winning all kinds of stuff too at the end, but the yeah. kind of breaking bad, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you look at the Lord of the Rings movies, they were all three, all three Lord of the Rings films were nominated for best picture. But the one that won Best Picture was the final film. But you went into those movies knowing there's three, knowing they shot them all back to back as one consecutive film and knowing that we have to wait two more years before the other two come out or two years for the other two to come out. So when you went into the first Academy Awards where the first one was nominated for Best Picture, you still had two more coming.
0: Yeah. And knowing
1: that they were all shot as one movie and then broken up. Well, wait till the last one's out. And cause you're technically awarding the entire series, you know?
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, stuff, stuff like that also just points out to me, like the, uh, the political aspects of award shows that kind of, I get annoyed by, because <laughs> in my opinion, sure. I'm like, even if it's the first part of the series, if that's the best movie that comes out that year, it should still win. And, uh, even though like two movies later, you want to give like best picture to the last movie in the series, you don't know what's going to come out that year. And you might be robbing, you know, another movie that comes out that's way better. So um, I'm just being jaded right now (laughs) because I'm jaded about award shows in general at this point. No, I get it.
1: To me, this was kind of an important one to pay attention to because the Mandalorian was getting, was a best show nomination. And that is huge for star Wars. So true, true. And it's yeah, and, huge and, for nerd culture. So,
0: yeah, I, I do. I do like that. It won that stunt coordination, uh, uh, award because I just thinking of like other shows that come out and I feel like Mandalorian does so much with incorporating stunts with, um, sort of mixing live action and practical effects and, uh, CG. I feel like there's, not a lot of shows like it right now. So I feel like that award is well-deserved. Um, and definitely to that, to that
1: point, if
0: you watch, um if you
1: watch Disney gallery and watch the making of the Mandalorian and see how they made that show, there is no show like that right now. Period. Awesome. Yeah. So, and if you and I'm t- and I'm talking to you, too, Pete, if you haven't watched Disney Gallery yet, you need to um, and, yeah, see, I,
0: and see what they've done. Um, so I started it. Um, I watched an episode or two, but I need to actually finish it. Um, yeah, I you, need to, I you need off. to see the episode where they explain the
1: volume and the volume is um, it's there. It's basically how they do the CG work. When you see what they're doing, your brain is going to melt. And you're going to go, oh, damn, no one is doing stuff like this right now. So, um, okay, but... anyway, roll... <laughs> so everyone go watch Disney gallery. So, you know what I'm talking about? Um, let's roll into news. I'm going to kind of bounce around here a little bit. Um, I'm going to hit you with Marvel first. You good with Marvel? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. MCU timeline, not impacted by delays. So first off, Black Widow's release date is being pushed to 2021 Big surprise there, everybody. I'm not surprised that's gonna happen that was gonna happen. Um, but they're saying that yeah, pushing at all. Black Widow back will not affect anything in the MCU timeline. So but pushing Black Widow back is gonna push back the release date for everything across the board. Um so they're still releasing Black Widow first, and then everything will fall into uh, afterwards, like they're saying. But um Someone posted that because Black Widow doesn't affect – pushback doesn't affect the MCU MCU timeline, they say that confirms Black Widow is a standalone film. I don't know if I essentially agree with that because if they're pushing that back and everything else remains delayed, that sounds like Black Widow still has an effect. Um, Yeah. And if Black Widow is not a standalone film, why – it kind of bothers me to think that it's a standalone film because of how interlaced everything is. It sounds like if it's a standalone film, why would you make it to begin with at this point in the game? Yeah. Does that I, make sense? Does that my comment make sense? I feel yeah. like it's more connected than people are giving it credit for. So.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. Um, but I'm still I, yeah. like, angry that Black Widow died in Endgame.
1: Not sad, angry. <laughs> and um, You're in that stage of grief right now? I've, I've been in that stage of grief since it happened. Okay. I, remember, I remember like, no, this can't <laughs> be. And then the movie ends and you're just like, are you kidding me? Like,
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely, um, yeah, definitely really sad. Um, related to Black Widow being delayed, I saw an interesting thing on Twitter. I think it was earlier today, actually. Um, somebody pointed out that, 2020 will be the first year that we have not had one MCU movie since. And I believe they said it was 2009 was uh, like the last time that this has happened, which is just another reason (laughs) why 2020 sucks. (laughs) But um, in general, I think that was a really interesting, uh, just kind of a really interesting factoid. I was like, oh, man, that's and I didn't even realize that. But interesting. Okay. yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right.
1: Well, yeah, I don't know. All right. Moving on. <laughs> um, OK, uh, there's a bunch of DC, so I'll save that for the end, because I think that's where we're going to get most of our tangents. Uh, okay. So real quick, uh, Game of Thrones prequel series House of the Dragon is still on track for its 2022 uh, release um, and casting has started um i don't know where they're at with like set and pre-production and like you know that kind of stuff but it's nice to hear that they're still on track for their release date so
0: yeah i would assume they're in a pre-production phase where they can still get a lot done while socially distancing um yeah like i mean i don't know as far as set building i don't know how close together people would have to be in stuff, but I would imagine you could do auditions, um, remotely and you could do, um, a lot of the planning and, uh, concept work and all that, like while social distancing. So it's great to hear that. Um, yeah, it's great to hear that that's still moving along though.
1: Yeah. So, um, I'm I'm happy uh, I'm happy to hear that I'm just more I'm excited for more Game of Thrones always.
0: Yeah, uh, this this story is also reminding me, or just kind of made me think. Once um once like COVID is over, and I guess saying it's over might be a poor choice of words, but you know what I mean. Once like we can return to something close to normal, um, all these <laughs> delayed movies and projects and stuff are all gonna come out at once, and like. <laughs> There's <laughs> previous yeah. years where you felt like your wallet was hurting because there's so many movies you have to see that summer. But it might be really insane where there's just so many cool uh, movies and shows coming out that we don't even know what to do.
1: It's either going to be really insane, like you're saying, and my wallet's really going to hurt. Or they're going to be really smart and go, well, we can't release like like it's going to be like Universal going well. Our big tentpole movie this year is Fast and the Furious Nine, but we also have these movies that are going to be <laughs> tentpole movies. Yeah. Like, we can't
0: you know, <laughs> blow our load in like the first two months of the year. Um, yeah, maybe maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part. You know, we can't <laughs> no. release uh, the next three fanta- or Fast and the Furious movies in the same summer. You know, that just doesn't work for us. I mean, that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah. Uh, just for the – like, especially the people who are diehard fans of that franchise. That would be really cool. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. Well, how about this? Um, speaking of cool stuff that's coming, um, The Mandalorian has a new season uh, coming out. Um, like, we're literally like – we're like almost a month away from Mandalorian season two. Um, the um, – Uh, Giancarlo Giancarlo Esposito, who plays Moff Gideon, um, and if you don't know who Moff Gideon is by name, he is the Imperial officer that was wielding the Darksaber at the end of season one of the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Um, He had some interesting things to say. Um, So (laughs) uh, listen to this quote very carefully. Um, We are living in a universe that is huge, and there is so much to explore. So I think this show is going to lay the groundwork for the depth and breadth that will come in season three and four where you're really gonna start to get answers. Oh, okay. So what's the big <laughs> takeaway from that quote? Um that's what is... what is the first thing that you focused on? Because when I read that, I was like, excuse me. Go ahead, yeah. like, what do you think? The, what's the big the what's your big thing... takeaway? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the first thing um that i focused on was actually just how him alluding to the expansiveness um i think i might be missing what you're getting at though so the point,
1: um the point is he said season three and four.
0: Oh, okay okay
1: which cool. means story the story groups have discussed scripts have to have been written he has to know something if they're already looking
0: at season three and four yeah, that's that's a good call. I guess I just in my head for some reason, I just felt like it's a no brainer that the show is going to go on oh, multiple seasons. I but, think yeah, that's a really good call.
1: I think we're all convinced the show is going to go on multiple seasons. But here's the thing. It was really funny. So when Halo Four, the video game, Halo 4 got announced, I remember sitting there watching the Microsoft press conference. And they were about to show the trailer for Halo 4. And they didn't tell us what game it was. They're just like, we're about to show you a trailer for a new game for Microsoft that will launch a new trilogy. And then you watch the Halo 4 um, trailer. And then my phone started exploding with people going, Halo 4 is coming. Halo 4 is coming. <laughs> and I responded to each one of those texts with five and six exclamation. <laughs> and they yeah. all – what are you talking about? They didn't say five and six. And I go, no, they said it's going to start a new trilogy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So what I heard was here's a halo four video. Don't forget. There's two more coming. (laughs) Yeah. um, and that's awesome and it made me really excited and it was kind of like read between the lines it's right there and they said it and then when he said that he's like three and four I'm like I you know having him talk about season three like hey we've already started discussion is one thing to hear him talk about season four already you, like that's what got me excited
0: so, yeah absolutely that's actually a really good point Um, I, for some reason I thought you were getting at the whole uh, death and breath thing and I thought you were like oh for some reason, I thought I was supposed to call out some specific Star Wars character or event with that. And I was like, um, I'm not sure yet, but what do you mean? But season three <laughs> and four of Mandalorian sounds awesome, but that's just I'm what still I, heard. Just I read guy. that. And my takeaway was season three and four. So absolutely. Um, it's going to be cool. We're going to be talking about season two pretty soon, though. So, you know, what's great, though, is
1: that quote is we will be. But what's great is that quote is out there, which means now they can't back down. <laughs> <laughs> Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> we're stopping after three seasons. But as Pizito said. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good call. All right. So I'm going to save DC for the last because I think that's where we're going to go on tangents because of some cool stuff. You want to hear the strange news? Yeah. Let's do oh, it. Doctor okay. Strange. <laughs> oh, uh, no, this one's strange. You like uh, Chuck E. Cheese, right? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> what was the last time you were at a Chuck E. Cheese?
0: Um, physically inside of a Chuck E. Cheese, I must have been, I'm going to guess, like, between the age of eight and ten. Like, it's been a long time.
1: I know it's been a long time, and I always feel weird driving by Chuck E. Cheese now. Like, it's just, like Chuck E. Cheese to me feels like... Like driving past the Chuck E. Cheese, and I and I have a feeling they're probably nicer in there than my brain is thinking. But I always drive by them thinking to myself. I always think of the uh, the ice cream truck driver thing from Ooh, the HBO okay. show Spawn. That's and it kind of and it kind of creeps me out.
0: That's um, darker than I thought. You're I thought you're gonna go for Five night at, Nights at Freddy's, <laughs> which well, five, I thought it was dark. Five Nights but at
1: Freddy's is pretty dark too. I guess. yeah,
0: but you went even darker than I expected. But, I know. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I as well have like mixed feelings on Chuck E. Cheese at this point, but uh, yeah, keep going. Okay, so this is the part that's going to go. This is going to part where. So, Chuck E.
1: Cheese is getting ready to star in both live action and animated TV shows and movies.
0: Okay. Um...
1: <laughs> I don't even know how to take that. Um... It's like so Chuck E. Cheese and the whole gang of characters that go along with him are going to be part of a live action television series and movies and animated TV and movies. Um, I'm not sure who yet is going to be picking this up, but that just <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was the strange <laughs> news story. I'm like, and your silence is awesome. So, well, like... Who's going to pick this up? Can I put my money on Netflix right now? Yeah. I don't know why, but I feel like. This seems like something Netflix would do just because they like to it seems Netflix likes to, uh, you know, get the rights to very obscure series and stuff like I didn't know if you knew, but they have like a uh, stretch Armstrong animated series on Netflix that um, I've seen a couple was, episodes. Was of, it. It. Was that? It that, Yeah, yeah, I've seen a couple episodes of it and it's not that bad, but it's just kind of. It's kind of one of those things nobody asks for that, but I guess Netflix <laughs> is doing it. So I'm going to put my money on them. Um, as far as, like, I just don't know, is there, like, do the people want a Chuck E. Cheese motion picture? And then I'm wondering, like, <laughs> someone Chuck is Chucky going to be a dude in the suit in the in the live action movie, <laughs> is he going to be CG <laughs> or is it going to be a hybrid? Like where the wild things are like, I'm more confused and uh, <laughs> just kind of wondering about the po- possibilities than uh you know i don't i don't i just don't really know what to say every you know every once in a while you have a news story that just stumps me and i don't know what to say to it and, and you know this is definitely one of those
1: <laughs> <laughs> well you know and i'm not trying to stump you sometimes like yeah. i like to poke around a science news so every now and then i try and find a science story that like you know sounds cool yeah. You know, and I always bring those for fun and excitement. But this one, like, for, came across my feed, and I did it, and I scrolled past it, and I did a double take, and I scrolled back to it, and I go, did I even read that right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, super, super weird, but... Um, I know, I know. It's really, really weird. So, I, yeah, I don't really know what to say
0: about it other than that we're getting a Chuck E. Cheese movie slash television show, and it's going to yeah. be action. <laughs> and so the th- the thing is, like, I'm I probably will not watch the show or the movie, but I mean, I do have a I do have a son. So maybe I will. Uh And there it is. When I think about it, though, I think I'd rather watch uh, Chuck E. Cheese animated adventure than like the Emoji (laughs) movie, for example, or something like that. So maybe I'm not I'm not completely opposed to this. I guess we'll just I'll just wait to see. What happens with this story? Uh, yeah. Definitely very weird, though. <laughs> we will definitely all wait to see. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. So let's jump into DC news. So we're going to talk. Um, I got one sad story, but it was a good run, and then the rest are all interesting. So first, let's talk about Supergirl. Did you hear about this? No. What What happened? Supergirl has been canceled. Ooh, Supergirl okay. will air one more final season, which will make it six seasons, and then CW will be pulling the plug on Supergirl. Now, my guess is that—oh, the, the article was kind of buried in the sense that Melissa Benoist had a quote, which I'm going to read here in a second. And um, I just—if I had a guess, it's because um, Supergirl's ran six seasons and we're about to get the low at the Superman show. yep. So I have a feeling. I have a feeling this is not the last Mm -hmm. time we'll see Melissa Benoist in the costume because of crossovers and the way the CW handles bringing back old actors for things. So we'll probably see her again, but the show is going to be done, and we're going to have another Superman show. So I feel like having Supergirl followed by Superman. You know what I mean? I just I feel like it's they are probably thinking it's too much.
0: Yeah, I I, I can I I can understand that, and um, yeah, I mean. I, I was kind of thinking the same thing as you as well, where they are coming out with a Superman show. And um, I feel like it's a no brainer that a uh, Supergirl will be making appearances on the show. Like you said, and it's kind of, it is a question as to like how often she'll be on the show. Like, is she going to be, almost one of the main characters or is she going to be like, you know, once or twice a season, she'll show up um, yeah. either way. It's really awesome. Um, I like Melissa Benoist as an actress a lot. Um, as far as I, the only things I know that she's done though, is like Supergirl and Glee. So it'd be kind of cool to see her branch out a little more. Um, you might know some more movies or TV shows that she's in, but that's all I know. From her um, She personally. was in
1: Glee. She was in um, Lowriders uh, she was in uh, The Longest Ride, uh, Supergirl. She was in—drawing a blank on a couple of other things—she uh, was in uh, Whiplash. Um, oh, those, wow. Those are the ones on the top of my head.
0: Yeah, so. but, it, but it will be cool to see uh, what she's in in the future as well. So. Yeah, well, here
1: is the quote from Melissa Benoist. Um, it says— to say it has been an honor portraying this iconic character would be a massive understatement. Seeing the incredible impact the show has on young girls around the world has always left me humbled and speechless. She has taught—she she had that impact on me, too. She taught me strength I didn't know I had to find hope in the darkest of places, and that we are stronger when, when we are united. What she stands for pushes all of us to be better— she has changed my life for the better, and I'm forever grateful. I'm so excited that we get to plan our conclusion to, to this amazing journey, and I can't wait for you to see what we have in store. I promise we're going to make it one hell of a final season. Um, That's but awesome. I, I really like—I mean, yeah, she promises a big final season. She made a, I, I like that she talked about the fact that they get to plan the ending. They're not being just shut down. They actually get to give it a closer. But I just like the fact that she t- brought up the— um, Thing about the girls around the world and how important Supergirl is. There's Melissa Benoist was she was a huge um, she was a huge part of. If you looked into it a little bit, there was a lot of stuff of her with Girl Scout troops and girl – like just girl groups trying to visit them and like she'd go like do like a talk show and she'd be leaving and there'd be people outside wanting to see her and she'd focus directly on the little girls because they came to see Supergirl. And she was always a big proponent of making sure they had their hero Um, and that's something like that's really – not only is that that's awesome, but that's rare that someone looks at it that way and focuses on the like it's kind of like, yeah, you're all here to see me, which is great, but these girls are really here to see me. Because yeah. to them she's not to to me, I'm gonna i I'm gonna see Melissa Benoist and I'm gonna think, oh my gosh, there's Melissa Benoist, I'm a fan. Um, I wanna I, I love to shake her hand and say thank you for what you do. But this little girl standing next to me in the crowd, she's here because you're a super girl. And that's honestly one of the most important things. Um, so, um, Melissa, I know you're listening, um, come on the show by all means, because I'd love to talk to you about it, but uh, (laughs) thank you for what you do. And those girls, and I I can't thank you for the girls, but I know they appreciate everything you've done for them and just being a symbol of hope and everything. So I just wanted to bring that up because I just thought that was a cool quote. So absolutely. I'm Um, off my soapbox. Sorry.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, I was gonna, I was actually, I had heard about some of the Girl Scout, uh, events and stuff she did so i was going to bring that up but honestly i don't think i could say anything as well as you did but um it's great to see like you said it's great that she had such a good run on the show and that she embraced um kind of the character that Supergirl should have. And um, I know the Superman fandom loves to see when uh, their actors do take um, the characters they play to heart and uh, try to represent that character in a good life or in a good light, whether they're on or off the screen. So um, we definitely really appreciate it, Melissa. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. So thanks, Melissa by all means, keep doing her thing. And I'm going to, I like her as an actress, so I'm anxious to see what she does post-Supergirl. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about some happy ones. Um, Supergirl may be canceled, but Harley Quinn is getting another season. Yes. Awesome. I called it. <laughs> um, well, not only that, but I remember last week when I was talking, I was like, you know, I finished the show and uh, they had a the end card at the end of the, Second yeah season and it kind of bugged me i was like no why would you stop this show and then like the very next day i said like we closed the microphones and then they <laughs> said harley quinn gets a season three and i'm like oh sweet yeah that's great so um, nothing more on that just harley quinn gets a season three
0: so yeah it's just cool to see that hbo max boost come through you know now that that shows on hbo max a lot of people i think got the chance to watch the show and um as much as I loved the DC Universe app, it was kind of like a very hidden away, um, not too often traveled upon land, um, and it's yeah. kind of cool to see. And they they were they always did a good job with their shows, so it's cool to see these shows get more, you know, the attention they deserved originally, I guess I'm trying to say. Well, you just gave us the greatest segue, because I was going to awesome. the story
1: for last, but I was but you just segueing <laughs> right in to, like, the perfect thing, so... Yes, the DC Universe app is saying goodbye. And because of the not well traveled upon location in the interwebs, um, it is going to be folding. We kind of saw that come a little bit with the launch of HBO Max. Yeah. Saw it coming a little bit because a lot of the DC Universe um, shows like Titans, Doom Patrol, Harley Quinn um, are all getting ported over to HBO Max. and then, uh, then you have this app sitting here going, well, what do we do with that? So here's the thing. So from basically everything I can find, and this is – so basically what I can find in terms of how they're going to do this is it sounds like all the con- the visual content as in shows, television, or TV shows and movies that were on DC Universe are going to HBO Max. I really hope that's a thing because there's some animated stuff um, like the Batman animated series, for example, is not on HBO Max, but it's on DC uh, Universe. I hope that that goes. So there's a, there's some things over there that I really hope end up on HBO Max just so they have it all in one concise place. Yeah. However, this is where DC Universe app is going to um, shine starting in January um, specifically. DC universe is going to now be called DC universe infinite. Um, and you will, it's going to be a subscription service, uh, very much like Marvel on the Marvel unlimited app. And it's basically going to be a DC comic reader. Cool. That's awesome. So it's going to turn into uh, so DC universe infinite It's launching in January. Um, so basically what they're doing is DC universe, uh, right now has a lot of comic books on there, like a ton. It sounds like they're basically porting the entirety of the DC universe comic library virtually into um, cyberspace and putting it up on a subscription service. So I could technically go Batman number one, go and just start reading. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Which is, which is awesome. Um, This is something that I wanted so when Marvel announced their Marvel Unlimited app, this is something I wanted back then. And this makes me really excited. And I will and I honestly am probably going to be getting this app just to do this because I'm like, I'll do it. I'll sit and like, you know, have, a you know, um, being able to just read comics on the fly like I'm at work. I can just pop up a comic on my lunch break and just, you know, um, just read it real quick on my phone. That's amazing to me. Um, and that made me really excited. So if they're gonna put everything over on HBO Max, awesome,
0: and then they're gonna have this for the comic readers, That's even cooler. So absolutely. Um I agree with everything you just said. Um, I was kind of hoping that since HBO Max was starting to get a lot of these DC universe shows, I was kind of hoping they would they would go in this direction and just have a comic reading app. Um, since by the sound of it, it sounds like everything's gonna go over there. That is just, this is just like the greatest news. It's awesome. It um, have they said anything about a price point at all? Or No, they just, they just said it'll be launching in January
1: and that's really like where the buck stops. Yeah.
0: So. I feel like it, 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 it should be pretty affordable. I think because the DC universe app, I don't think was that expensive. I want to say it was like $8 a month or something like yeah. that. Um, That, that price might even go down a little for that, for the comic reader. And that's, honestly you're getting to the point where like eight dollars a month is the cost of like two like physical comic books (laughs) in this day and age you know so it's like you're definitely going to be saving a lot of money and it's really cool that uh that just this app is happening that's just really nice to hear yeah so
1: um yeah i just i'm excited um yeah sweet yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, I'm like changing story and like adjusting something. So, um, okay. So this one is right as we we're about to close our mics. We I thought that last week I had that breaking news about uh, Henry Cavill coming back and uh, playing and signing a new contract for Superman. Yeah. Um, so this is the part I'm not sure, and I can't tell if this is from a – In terms of the source it comes from, I don't know how connected they are. So I don't know if this is rumor or if this is true fact. Um, Henry Cavill is set. This is the last story of the night, too. So um, Henry Cavill is set to play on the big screen again after Warner Brothers confirmed that he is up for three new upcoming Superman movies. Okay, so. My problem with this rumor is are we talking Superman movies like Man of Steel 2, 3, and 4, (laughs) or are we talking Man of Steel 2 – he has a cameo in the Black Adam film. He's a big part in the next Justice League movie. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Right.
0: Yeah, I was I was thinking of the same thing. I was like, what constitutes a Superman
1: movie? <laughs> right. And that's how I took it. So I don't know. You might if you want to you can shed some light on this a little bit more if you want. But that's what went through my head. So,
0: no, I'm I'm left with the same sort of wonderment where I just want to know what that means. Are these three? Superman solo films, or is this just gonna be appearances of Superman? I feel like it's going to be the latter just because I don't like I'm I'm gonna be happy with the Man of Steel 2. Do they have enough confidence to just book Henry Cavill for three solo Superman films at this point? I feel like that's less likely. Um, but I also like the phrasing of just uh Superman movies like that I think is kind of funny, like I would agree that anytime Superman appears, it's technically a Superman movie. But I just love that <laughs> phrasing as well. But <laughs> right. Right. I'm kind so of I with you. Person, who, I think the person
1: who wrote it was like a little like overexcited and wrote Superman down. I just think I have a feeling it would be Man of Steel two. He's apparently a big. He has a big role in Black Adam, and yeah. then. Um, It sounds like Superman might actually be the villain in Black Adam, Um, but you got to understand that Black Adam is kind of a villain. So if it's a movie, if it's a movie about Black Adam, it's going to be a flipped story where Black Adam is meant to look like the hero. Right. Um, And then Justice League, Two, maybe. I don't know. Like.
0: Yeah, it's it. It should be pretty exciting, but I think you're kind of you're right on the money. Like, I think justice league two and uh black adam for sure and then if we can get a man of steel two, that would just be amazing um one (laughs) one quick thing i wanted to comment on which i just thought was funny is the uh phrasing superman movies and kind of how we were just bewildered by that reminded me of this uh i i read like a year or two ago this uh this interview with todd mcfarlane online and he was talking about the uh he was talking to somebody about the Spawn movie, the, the upcoming Spawn movie, and how he's doing more of a horror movie, um, I guess, outlined, or, you know, it's going to be more of a horror movie than your typical superhero stuff. But the whole interview, he referred to horror movies as creep movies. <laughs> and the whole time it was just creep movies this, creep movies that. When you're making creep movies, this is what you do. And I, I always thought that was just really a funny phrasing for it. And I can totally see like, you know, Todd McFarlane just off, off the cuff saying creep movies and just like thinking, well, that sounds good. We're just going to keep going with that for now. So (laughs) Um, sorry, random story. I just think it's amusing. No, I get it. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what that plays out. I'm hoping it's uh,
1: I'm, I'd love it to be three more Superman films and then throw in the cameos, but (laughs) we'll see what happens. Oh, sorry. One final story. Um, oh okay one final story and it's, there's not much to say on it it's that Zack Snyder will be filming new scenes for Justice League starting in October I did see that um, which is just really cool yeah it is really cool but he and when I say new scenes it's probably stuff that had visual effects that have to be cleaned up so it's not shoots so much as it's like we need new footage to adjust for this stuff
0: that's that's true and then i also wonder if um some of it's probably
1: pickup shots and you know that kind of thing so
0: sorry yeah yeah, no also since they're changing it from like a movie to a miniseries essentially i think like he might have to shoot little things here and there just to keep the uh flow going the way it should you know um you know, if you go from one episode to the next, he might have to film a short scene to kind of catch you up to where you are, you know, yeah. where you are in the story at that point. And know so yeah. that's, you know, and sometimes sometimes a, like a pickup shot,
1: for example, could just be a close up of Ben Affleck picking up a like a book off a table kind of thing, you know, so we don't know what that means. But they start shooting in October and everyone's back in shooting schedules and everything. So nice. That's yeah. that's great. Um. Anyway, so are you ready to do the list? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, all right, well, Ryan, you are hearing the bell, so uh, time to run the list. So roll the thing, man. And now for the top five. OK. Um, so, Peter, uh, this was your pick, 1987. Yep. Um, uh, this not, is a, sorry, oh, this sorry. is a ranked list, so that means we have to have this ranked, actually. Um, so do you have anything you want to add to that?
0: or Not too much. Uh, not too much to say. Just uh, I picked this because my birthday was recently, and this is the year after I was born because uh, we've already done the year I was born. Um, otherwise i remember doing a quick google search of 1987 before i suggested the year and i thought like oh it looks like there's some good movies that came out and uh as i went through all the movies that came out this year it was it became more of a holy crap some of my absolute favorite movies came out this year and it's going to be hard to narrow it down sort of thing so uh there you go i don't know if you have any comments on this list in general before we get started this list was weird because there's really good movies on this year, there yeah. are,
1: um, which makes it difficult to pinpoint like an actual like top five. And a lot. And the other part is that there was a lot of movies this year that I was like wow. When I was when you compare it to when you compare it to like you know the one year uh, I don't remember which year it was. I think it was two thousand eight maybe when I saw like a hundred and some odd movies. Um, When I compare it to that, like, wow, it's a completely different uh, monster when I was looking at the list of movies that I saw from 1987. Now, I was seven (laughs) years old in 1987, so um, being seven years old, I did not see all these in the theater, so most of the movies I saw were – Most of the movies I saw that you're literally I had to watch later on, you know, DVD or VHS or catch it on TV here and there. But I've seen all these movies. Um, I watched a total of 49 movies uh, from 1987.
0: Yeah, I just realized I had it written down um, and I threw away that paper. (laughs) But uh, I think I was at around 24, somewhere in there, like mid 20s. Oh, you saw twenty four movies. I saw five, so that's my list. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it was it was a decent amount, and like I said, it was some of my favorite ones. Um, but it was I was kind of shocked that you know I was one year old in nineteen eighty seven, and I was surprised at how many I had actually seen. So, right. there, you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get going, the best picture this year was The Last Emperor. Um, I just thought I'd bring that out because I always point out the uh, best picture when we do uh, those lists. Um, so what um this is your pick so uh
0: i have well, i, comments, don't I? Y- yeah i have two honorable mentions i don't know if you have any i have two honorable mentions as well okay um, cool. my
1: first honorable mention is broadcast news okay have you, have you ever seen this you're probably <laughs> probably shaking your head going i don't even know what movie that is yeah, uh, pretty much. <laughs> this um, this, this is actually a really, really wonderful movie to watch. Like, it's it's a really well crafted story. Um, it is not. I'm gonna describe this, and it's gonna sound like a rom com. It is not a rom com. No. Um, but it's basically about um, you have uh, it's Albert Brooks, uh, William Hurt, and Holly Hunter are the big actors in this. Um, Albert Brooks is like this talented news actor, and then you have. William Hurt is the new young handsome news actor. Who's not nearly like up to the level of talent as Albert Brooks is. And then Holly Hunter is the producer. And it's about a love triangle between the three of them. Um, So it sounds rom-com, but it's a little more drama than anything else. But the movie is so well-crafted, so well put together. Um, It's just one that I really enjoyed when I finally got to see it. So um, yeah, that's really all I got. I just thought I'd, you know, that was my first honorable mention.
0: So, Okay, cool. I'll keep an eye out for that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just said I didn't know that movie. Um, when compiling this list, it's kind of funny. Like I said, there are some movies that came out this year that I absolutely love, but... There is, of course, because of you know how long ago it was. There is a ton of movies I had just never heard of, <laughs> kind of scrolled past. So that must have been one of them. Um, moving into my first honorable mention, and uh, speaking of creep movies, <laughs> um, <laughs> my first pick is Creep Show Two, or my first honorable mention, I should say. Um, okay. This is I've talked about the first Creep Show before on this podcast, and uh, I, I really like this franchise. I think the The concept of filming a movie to resemble as closely as possible a horror comic is just like such a cool concept for me, especially uh, based on my interests and aesthetics and stuff like that. Creepshow 2 kind of dialed that aspect up a little more than the first one, because all the there was like an in between in between all the short um, anthology horror stories they had this kind of running narrative and it was the scenes between all of the short stories were animated scenes about it was something to do with this kid who was getting bullied. And I think there was like sort of this ghoul esque horror host who helped the kid get revenge on the bullies. And it was just, I like the animation a lot. And I think the idea of having an animated sort of, uh, in between scenes like that was a really cool concept, especially to make it feel more horror comic-y and just kind of, you know, bring you back to your childhood a little bit more. Um, otherwise like some of the stories in this, uh, in creep show two were really fun. my favorite one, and I think it's like everybody's favorite one is the one about the, uh, it's it's like i think the guy gets hit by a lady driving or something and then he's just like tailing the back of her car and just yelling at her thanks for the ride lady over and over again and it's just a funny like story and just a funny catchphrase so uh there you go creep show two it's just really fun movie
1: all right
0: um
1: well my next honorable mention is masters of the universe Um, oh nice awesome I'm, I grew up. This is literally only on here because I grew up as a He Man kid and um, I was excited for the movie. And when you look back at it, this movie was not very good. Um, it's it's definitely a movie that's got its problems. But when you're, you know, as young as I was when that movie, when I was seven years old and this movie comes out, this movie was the shit. You know what I mean? So, um, <laughs> When you put it into that kind, con- when you look at when you look at it through the lens of a seven-year-old that's into He-Man, this this movie is amazing. So, um, yeah, good stuff. Um, Masters of the Universe. It's it's a fun movie, and it makes me go, "When do I get the Kevin Smith Netflix shit? That's really what I'm.
0: <laughs> right on. When well, when
1: are we getting that? Seriously.
0: Yeah, I like uh, I like Masters of the Universe, and I think it's kind of like you, where. When I first saw this, I was a kid, and I didn't know better than to question some of the choices they made. Uh, That being said, I do like some of the costume designs in this movie. I think some of the things in the movie they did actually do seem pretty badass. Um, But I think it's just looking back on it, um, I realize why people are like, why do they bring them to Earth? Like, why... (laughs) Why aren't they in Eternia with Castle Grayskull and just like all this really cool stuff they could have done? Um, I can definitely understand people's complaints with this movie. Um, I also think it's funny that they have like a bunch of random characters that didn't exist in the animated series at all, um, which kind of is just kind of a sort of you know, why, why did you do this? Um, but I, I still do like this movie, um, in certain ways and for certain aspects. So, um, I definitely see why it's one of your honorable mentions. Um, I could probably go into my next honorable mention, which is planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, I think we've talked about this movie on the show, uh, maybe our road trip movies episode, but, uh, this is just a really funny movie. Um, I really enjoy the, uh, dichotomy between Steve Martin and John Candy's characters. And um, yeah, it's just like a really hilarious movie with a lot of heart, a lot of memorable scenes. Um, I'm always down to watch this one. Um, And it's probably my favorite Thanksgiving movie, I guess. Um, Drew, are you still there? I haven't heard you for a bit. No, I was just letting you talk. Okay. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) I I heard like silence for a while and I was just kind of like, did I lose him or what?
1: Was- <laughs> no, no, no! You just kept going. I was just letting yeah. you talk. Yeah, um, and I had to type "plain, strange, and automobiles" onto the spreadsheet, so it's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I like this movie a lot. It's probably one of the only Thanksgiving movies that are out there. <laughs> this that when you look at the sheer stack of Christmas movies or Halloween movies, there's not many Thanksgiving movies. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, no, I really like, um, and so I don't know if we could actually do a Thanksgiving movie list. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure if we could. That'd be weird. Uh, (laughs) I know one for sure would probably uh, one of my uh, a really good movie as a Thanksgiving film. Um, I know it would be my number one that week if we were able to do it. But uh, (laughs) yeah, no, I like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. There are some points in it though that I feel, and this is where comedy has changed. Where I feel like some of the uh, some of the jokes comedy's evolved in a way that when I go back and watch it now it doesn't play the same and maybe it's because I know the jokes are coming or maybe it's because I'm studying the film and there's like when you there's a thing called dead air and it's basically like on a radio show or on a podcast or in a television show or something when there's no silence when uh, no, no silence no noise happening like they don't know what to say it's called dead air and when you learn about how to like do broadcast stuff that's one of the things that's one of the big no-nos is make sure you keep having content going um you know every now and then we have a pause and it's not like you know we're you know us doing us having the uh we uh you know i don't know if i'd call it dead air because you and i aren't sitting there going um what do we talk about next uh um, yeah so I just feel like there's parts of plane trains and automobiles. I feel like the movie gets real quiet. If that makes sense, you know what oh, I mean? you like, okay. And you're just like, okay, I thought this was supposed to be a comedy, you know? Um, but that's just ages of me watching it probably too many times. And I'm starting to pick it
0: apart. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, just, <laughs> just quick com- comment. I have heard one or two podcasts where there was moments of dead air and it's, it's very awkward. <laughs> because like you said like if you're doing a podcast it's like well why can't you think of something to talk about at this point but um i get it um but i think uh planes trades and automobiles um i it's kind of hard because i do know that some of the humor doesn't age super well but then in certain ways i actually appreciate some of the humor more than a lot of the humor we get nowadays like in this sort of uh Post Judd Apatow world, we live in, I guess, um, where like humor is a lot more dialogue based in a lot of movies nowadays compared to back in the day, but. Plane trains, and automobiles does have a few sequences that do leave me saying like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> One of the big ones is the whole, like uh, the sequence where Steve Martin is uh, sleeping and uh, John Candy's character is driving the car that they're in. And uh, he's listening to that, like everybody do the mess around song or whatever. Yeah. And he gets really into the music. And uh, there's a part where they, I believe they ride between a guardrail and a semi truck going the opposite way that they are on the highway and there's like sparks flying on both sides of the car and both characters are screaming. And then it shows like quick like uh there's these quick shots of like the characters as like skeletons and maybe as uh with John Candy as the devil. <laughs> And it's like a very surreal thing that you, you never see stuff like that in comedies nowadays. So it just like the first time I saw that, I was very puzzled <laughs> by that scene in general. So right. Right. like I said, comedies evolved
1: and there's certain scenes in the movie that I don't find funny anymore. And I think it's because I've seen the movie too many times, but that's true. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, what uh, we're on an actual first pick. Um so your number five, uh, or actually my number five, I don't have a lot to say about it, um, but it's my my first pick of the night is Dirty Dancing. Um, oh, okay. Let's be honest. Uh, I don't care who you are. The movie's awesome. It really, it really <laughs> is. It, it really is a good movie at the end of the day. So... Um, I mean, it's definitely not my favorite when I was looking. But when you narrow down and you're focused on like the one year and you're just like, you know, it really is a good movie. (laughs) So, um, uh, yeah, so Dirty Dancing. I don't know if you have anything to add to it. I just it's a good movie, man. So
0: Um, I I have uh, mixed feelings on Dirty Dancing. Like there's a lot of uh, (laughs) I've seen a lot of people bring up complaints, which I think can be pretty accurate when you look into, like, the actual character of uh, the guy that Patrick Swayze plays in the movie and, like, how he's not really a good guy and stuff like that. Um, and there's, like, some other things that well, are kind I mean, of weird to me in the how, movie. How is but... that
1: different than poking poking holes in, like, Disney films and you're just like, well, check this out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. Like, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of thinking... I think at the end of Snow White, she died, and she wasn't actually woken up by the prince, but that's a story for a whole other day. <laughs> so, um, we can go on that
0: tangent some other day. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just... I guess, like, that, that was my only comment, is some of the characters in the movie. Like, I don't necessarily identify with a lot of them and stuff, but I will say, like, I do enjoy watching the movie. I think it is like a fun movie to watch. I enjoy um, a lot of the dance scenes and stuff like that. So I was, <laughs> I actually wasn't trying to hate on it a lot. I was just kind of saying I have mixed feelings about it, but I can still admit that it is a really good time. So there you sure.
1: go. All right. Well, um, what is your first pick of the evening?
0: Yes, my number five pick, and I I just had to do it. It's Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. And uh, this is one that I picked a lot for personal reasons, but... I I've said this a lot of times. Um, I know Superman four gets a lot of flack for a a lot of the choices that happened in the production of that movie, but structurally I still think this movie is a really good watch because I think it has that the, the way it's paced and uh, stuff like that. It just, I think it accomplishes a really fun Superman story really well. I know there's a lot of dumb things that happen in this movie, but I still like it. And part of it is just, I grew up with the movie. Um, Superman four has some of the best action scenes uh, from the original Christopher, Christopher Reeve Superman movies. So um, I think this one's kind of a funny pick because I know a lot of people hate this movie, but I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, I love the fights between uh, Nuclear Man and Superman. I like seeing them duke it out on the moon and throw chunks of the Statue of Liberty at each other and knock over the Great Wall of China. (laughs) And yeah, it's it's just it's just really fun. So, yeah, Um, there it is.
1: Yeah. So Superman four, I am in the same boat with you, man. Uh, I it's short, too. It's only it's only like an hour and a half. Um, yes, this movie has problems. Yes, this is everyone's, well, it's definitely not everyone's least favorite because everyone hates Superman three. Um, you probably don't, but everyone hates Superman three for the most part.
0: Um, I, 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 I don't like Superman three that much. (laughs) I was going to say that like, if you, if you marathon all the super, the Christopher Reeve Superman's all the way through, I think that Superman four is a welcome change after you've sat through Superman three, but <laughs> that could just <laughs> sat be through. Yeah.
1: <laughs> after you've muscled through Superman three. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I agree with everything you said about Superman four. And one of the, you know, actually one of the parts I love about Superman four is when he's collecting all the nuclear weapons. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all, an for, awesome. it's, it's a montage sequence and I don't normally like montage sequences, but I really, <sighs> superman 4 um for certain parts of the film so
0: yeah Yeah. i agree and superman 4 is one of those things where i think i think the creators of this movie had better intentions than they were able to get away with i guess um i know the production budget for this movie was a lot lower than the previous ones and i think I have this feeling that the writer, director, producer, everybody, and based on comments that I've heard from the cast and crew, I think they had the intent of making sort of the next great Superman film, like in quotations. But, you know, by the end of the day, when the budget runs out and they can't pull off everything they want to, certain things end up happening where you have like, a fight scene in space at the end where a human character can breathe in space for some reason <laughs> because space is cheaper to you know do green screen stuff for than uh, other backgrounds and so there i think the the budget like budgetary reasons kind of held this movie back in certain ways as well but i still think pacing and structure wise i still think it's a really good superman story so there you go <laughs> all
1: right well my next pick for the night so my number four is predator Nice. Um, I am not normally a Predator fan. I am um, I prefer Aliens over Predator. Um, I would agree with that. This movie, and when you compare Predator to the rest of the franchise, the first Predator is a fantastic, fantastic movie. Well put together, crazy special effects, really cool story. Um, it's a movie that, like, it's really lengthy, too, um, in the sense that... Um, and when I say lengthy, I mean like I always feel like the movie is longer than it really is when I'm watching it. But I also don't want it to end, if that makes sense. Um, OK, yeah. Like until you actually get into the Arnold – when once Arnold is actually like it's just him and the predator in the jungle, it takes a while to get there. Um, and uh, I, I And I – getting to that point in the movie is actually a lot of fun. Um, but, and you also get that great line from Jesse Ventura when he says, uh, I don't have time to bleed. Like <laughs> name, name one actor today that could deliver that line. There isn't one. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's just I I really liked this movie a lot. Uh, like I said, I'm not a fan of Predator 2. and then when you get on with the other ones, they're I think they just get silly when you get into like the Alien vs Predator stuff. I just yeah. So,
0: but no, this is I liked this one a lot. I don't know if you have anything to say about it, but this one was great. Yeah, uh, Predator is an awesome movie. Um, you talking about the pacing of the movie? I feel like the setting did such a help so much with um, how it's kind of has, it, it does have a slower pacing, but I think because you're like in the middle of the jungle and there's almost like a survival element to it, it's really fun. Like you just, you kind of just live vicariously through the characters and you want to be there. I mean, you don't actually want to, but your mind's kind of watching the movie, romanticizing the idea that you're there in the jungle. Um, I also really just love how, and for lack of a better term, badass, this movie is like, this movie is huge buff dudes, like fighting against an alien. It's uh, super gory. Um, it's super action packed. And uh, I just, I just really like it. It's one of the first movies where the dialogue and the, the jokes in this movie are so like crude, but they just reminded me of stuff that I would hear like friends or, uh, I guess maybe family members or stuff people I know, like dirty jokes I would hear in the real world. and I'd never really seen a movie do that, you know, before Predator, and I'm sure there were ones out there, but for me, just that sort of the dialogue just did feel really real and kind of uh blew my mind at the time. but um, I feel like the badassness of it and the bombasticness of it. I don't know like I don't have any quotes that can prove this, but I feel like this movie probably went on to influence stuff like, uh, you know, like the early 90s image comics and uh, like Gears of War and stuff like that. Um, Predator, I think, is a really good time. It's a really cool movie. Um, I haven't even commented on the alien design or anything like that yet, but it's it's good overall. I'm with you where I like the Xenomorphs. I like the alien movies better than Predator, but Predator definitely is really cool. So (laughs) there you go. Yeah. And uh, I don't
1: I I'm going to correct you. I don't have a problem with the pacing the movie just feels long every time I watch it, but I never want it to end. Right. Right. Okay. It's not a pacing thing. It always like, wow, we haven't like you're halfway through the movie and it's still the team against the predator. And you haven't even had Arnold versus the predator yet. You know? So it's just, it's just a long movie. I just, you know?
0: Yeah. I I guess pacing might, might might've just been a poor word or poor choice of words on my part. Uh, to explain that, but yeah, Yeah, um, I definitely know what you mean. Like it is, it is lengthy, but you enjoy every minute of it at the same time. Uh, well, we're running a lot longer than I thought we were. So what's your, (laughs) what's your number four for the night, man? Yeah. Uh, my next pick is evil dead Two. I Um, figured this was making your list. Yeah. And this is one where I like the first evil dead, but it's a lot kind of based on the sort of, um, I guess the aesthetic of a lot of things, a lot of the effects were very practical feeling, very low budget feeling, and I kind of just really like that look. Uh, the second Evil Dead movie, I think, is just a better film overall. Um, this movie took more of a sarcastic uh, slapstick uh, comedy approach to the uh, story as opposed to the first one, which was just going for all out horror. And I think this one just delivers on the laughs um, so much better. Um, but at the same time, the the special effects and the creature designs and uh, all that sort of latex gore weirdness is just... So awesome in Evil Dead 2. It's kind of like such a treat to look at. By the time you get to the movie or the end of the movie, there's just so many weird, like surreal, you know, latex makeup designs that you've witnessed. And uh, this one's just really cool. Um, it's kind of funny because Evil Dead 2 is technically like it's kind of a sequel and a reboot of the first movie, which is really weird. And then the way it ends, I can't imagine being in a theater and seeing that movie (laughs) with, uh, I mean, spoilers, Ash going to, through a portal and traveling to like a medieval fantasy landscape and just be like leaving the movie. Like what the F I don't know what I just watched, but I loved it. Um, I wish I could have experienced that in theaters. That would have been so much fun. But, uh, yeah. Do you have any comments on evil dead two at all? Um, this is probably this, I think this is my favorite of the franchise. OK,
1: um, maybe next to the show, because um, I don't know if you watched Ash versus the Evil Dead, um, but the show is so good. But and I love that those crazy practical effects and everything, they uh, um, they carry over into the show. So seeing like the the prosthetics and, you know, the old school makeup and stuff, it's it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, this movie definitely it's like you don't need to watch Evil Dead one. You just kind of need to watch oh no, yeah like skip evil dead one entirely watch evil dead 2 uh, because it's essentially the same film especially uh, if you're new to the series yeah
0: but yeah no this i like evil dead 2 is my favorite of the group um yeah and to, to comment on that i don't have I much to say like... that you haven't already said but <laughs> yeah okay. sorry uh to comment on that i feel like evil dead 2 is probably the best when it comes to experimentation and cinematography and kind of doing new things that you've never seen before on film, you know, like Ash shooting, like his possessed hand, that's crawling around the room and then just so much blood, like (laughs) a ridiculous amount of blood comes out of that hand that couldn't even be in that hand, but it's kind of something that's very expressive and experimental that you've never seen. I feel like, evil dead two is the best of the series. When you look at that aspect, I feel like story wise, I might lean more towards army of darkness as far as just a cohesive, like really fun movie, oh, okay. like just focusing on the story, but uh, they're both definitely good picks. Um, I'm not going to fault anybody for whatever their favorite evil Dead movie is. So yeah. All right. Um, cool. Well, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I have much more to say on that one. But okay. Yeah. The, uh, the next
1: movie on my list, uh, we've talked heavily about Ed um, Nauseam. And uh, so I don't have a lot, to, honestly, I don't have a lot to say on it because it's such an amazing movie. Literally, almost everyone has seen this movie. And if you haven't, it's now on Disney Plus, so everyone should just go watch it. And that's The Princess Bride. Awesome. Um, And I when I saw when I realized that was a 1987 movie, I'm like, I'm willing to bet you anything. That's Peter's number one. Uh, (laughs) uh, We'll find that out soon. But no, The Princess Bride makes my number three. um, And it's it's this it's a wonderful movie. It's a well-crafted story. It's, you know, the action adventure, the romance, the the comedy, the drama, like everything is in this movie that you want um it's literally something for everyone you got a great cast you have a great cinematography you have a great script there's nothing there's nothing wrong with this movie like you could like you can't even poke holes in this movie this movie is solid period um i don't know person who's seen this movie that doesn't like it so um this is
0: like one of those movies that you only just love period absolutely you know um I absolutely agree with everything you just said. Um, So yeah, that's literally all I got to say about this. I just, yeah. Yeah. No, just, just listening to you talk about it. Like I kind of was thinking about a few aspects of the princess bride that we haven't talked about before. Um, I know we've talked about this movie a lot, but I was just thinking of how this movie is kind of the gift that keeps on giving (laughs) in a lot of ways, because I loved this movie as a kid, like as a little boy, I loved this movie because of the sword fights and the adventure and the story of it all. And, uh, I still love all that stuff, but now I find new appreciation in the characters and the humor and the writing. And it is this sort of thing where every time I watch it, I might pick up something on a joke that I hadn't picked up on before. And, uh, I just think it's kind of cool that my enjoyment of the movie of this movie through the years has kept, uh, you know, become. I've been getting greater and greater enjoyment from this movie through the years, as opposed to getting sick of it. So I really love this one. Um, another quick thing I was thinking of is just the writing of this movie is so clever. Um, a lot of, there's a lot of lines that have like really subtle, like double meanings and stuff. Like one of the parts I was just thinking of is when uh, Prince Humper- Humperdink is a uh, is tracking the man in black and he's kind of going through, like he goes through the part with the, uh, sword fight with, uh, uh, the man in black and an ego. And he kind of like Humperdinck narrates that as he's tracking him. And then he, uh, he narrates like his fight with the giant and stuff. And then when he gets to the part where it's, uh, the man in black and it's the whole Iocane powder part, uh, Humperdinck (laughs) smells the, uh, I can't remember if it's the glass or if it was actually the, thing that contained yeah yeah the vial and humperdinck just says iocane powder i bet my life on it and it's just kind of funny like that line always stuck out to me because i was always like well does he mean he bets his life on it now or does he mean that he bet his life on it once before <laughs> or does he mean both and i kind of just love there's a or is ton he gonna of die moments. because you smelled it <laughs> right <laughs> right but I, I there's a ton of like little moments in that movie where there's these lines that have like double meanings there a lot of lines that are just a little bit smarter than you might have realized when you first watched it and that's kind of that's something i really appreciate um, from from just a movie in general. Um, so, yeah, I just really love that aspect of it as well. All right. Well, what
1: is your number three?
0: OK, my number three pick is Predator. Oh, <laughs> so nice. there you go. We already talked about this one a lot. So
1: perfect. That'll we can move on. Actually, let me I misspelled it, unfortunately. All right. Well, my number two, my final two movies. This is where the film student and me kicks in. Um, my second pick of the night is Full Metal Jacket, which, first off, let me say that I'm surprised this was not Best Picture of the year.
0: Um, but you've seen Full Metal Jacket, right? I have never seen this one. I know really? it's horrible. Oh, so a... I have one. One of my problems is I like for some reason don't gravitate towards war movies like at all, and uh, or military based movies. So I know I need to watch this one. I really enjoy the Stanley Kubrick movies that I've seen so I don't know why I haven't seen this one but yeah I I have no excuse
1: <laughs> this is a Stanley Kubrick masterpiece this is right this might well be probably one of his greatest films ever um if I had to do it we did like a Stanley Kubrick list this very well might might be like my number one pick you know what I mean uh yeah. this movie this movie is kind of in two parts um, because you do, you have the first part of the movie is, um, the soldiers in boot camp, <laughs> the The Marines are in boot camp. And then the second half of the movie is them in Vietnam. Um, and it's incredible because the first part of the movie, he's literally showing you a day in the life of these soldiers in the, uh, um, in, in boot camp and what it's like and like the training that they go through and the hell they go through um, this is a movie that um, uh, I don't know if you know who Arlie Ernie is um, a lot of people do. He's a very he's a very famous actor who um, – he plays the drill sergeant in this movie. But right, at right. In this movie, he was a drill sergeant for real for the Marine Corps, and they – when they started talking to him about making sure the dialogue was correct and writing it properly and, like, yelling at the soldiers and stuff, they basically were – talking to him and he's like, the best thing you could do is have a legitimate drill sergeant come in and yell at the troops. So they ended up having Arlie Ernie come in and he literally, he got the role in the movie because basically he made that statement. So most of his dialogue was unscripted because he's yelling at them the way he would have yelled at them if they were actual Marines. Yeah. Um, and awesome. it's, and it's, it's awesome. I and mean, when you, when you find that out after the fact it makes that it makes all of that so much cooler. Um, rewatching the movie, uh, and then yeah. the back half of the film, after you get out of uh, the boot camp part, um, the back half is the everyone in Vietnam, and is basically Stanley Kubrick's uh, vision of Vietnam and how that all went down. Uh, the movie is amazing. Like this is one of those like um, greatest films of all time type amazing. Um, so uh, you need to check it out. Um, yeah, so I, d- I definitely nice. need so to So does watch everyone it. else who has not seen Full Metal Jacket. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely need to watch it. Like I said, it's I know it's kind of a fault of mine, but I just for some reason, I never want to watch like military or war movies. I think it's just because I have that much more of a hard time relating to it just because it's. So, kind of far from anything I've experienced in my own life. Um, but I do really appreciate um, the Stanley Kubrick movies I've seen. Um, I think the whole like real drill sergeant just concept for an actor just sounds like such a Stanley Kubrick thing. So, that's definitely really fascinating. But yeah, I just need to check this one out, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, um, moving on, what's your number two?
0: Okay, my number two a movie we've talked about a lot on this show is uh, Spaceballs, um, and Space, this is just one. You know, for
1: some reason, I did not see this coming.
0: <laughs> really? Okay, Yeah. This, this was just one that I just had to pick just because um, I know we've talked about this movie a lot on the show and our different opinions on how this movie has aged with uh, you and I, Drew, but I, uh, I just had to pick it. I, this was one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, And I think because of that attachment, I still love this movie a lot. I still am down to watch Spaceballs at any time. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of jokes that might not age super well, but there are a lot that I kind of. Do think are really clever and appreciate um, what they did there. So I don't know what all to say at spaceball about spaceballs at this point. Since since we've talked about it a lot, but uh, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts at the <laughs> this moment? This is another
1: this is another movie like Planes, Trains, of Automobiles where I've seen so many times. Parts of it aren't funny anymore. <laughs> yeah, but every part with Rick Moranis is hysterical. Um, I have this thing where every time it's on TV and I'm like, oh, Spaceballs is on, and I flip it on, I always catch the same two scenes. One, the scene where they're watching the VHS of Spaceballs, the movie. Okay. To figure out, because they need to track Lone Star's movements. So like, where is he? Well, why don't we just watch the movie because that'll tell us where he is. I That's one of my all-time favorite scenes, not only in that movie, but in just probably film in general. <laughs> Um, and yeah. uh, the scene where they have to go to uh, ludicrous speed um, <laughs> and, they have to, like, and they're in that chase sequence and they like, you know, they uh, Lone Star jumps to hyperspeed and they're like, oh, well, you know, what do we got? We got to go to ludicrous speed. <laughs> like it just the, the dialogue, the slapstick humor in it. It's it's just great. And like everything that happens with Rick Moranis in that movie makes me laugh every time. And then. There's the other stuff around it that I'm just, you know, so I don't don't, like it's one of those movies that I've seen so many times that it's not funny anymore. But then you have these moments with Rick Moranis (laughs) that are just funny every single time I watch it.
0: I I could definitely agree with that. Like, it is a movie where you watch it as a kid and Lone Star is your favorite character because he's like the coolest one. (laughs) You watch it as an adult and you realize that uh, Dark Helmet, Rick Moranis, he is the best best character. character.
1: (laughs) The best character in the... (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, because when you're when you're a kid, you're watching, you're like, yeah, Lone Star's the best because he's the hero, and then you're yep. later, you're just like, no, Rick has had
0: the best role in the film. When I, when I was a kid, I always really liked Pizza the Hut, though. Too. <laughs> Pizza the Hut was Here's really the cool. The idea
1: of Pizza the Hut makes me laugh. um However, Pizza the Hut, that scene is really hard to stomach. It makes me <laughs> easy to watch. Like it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. P- the Pizza the Hut sequence is very disgusting, um, and I remember watching it at one point, and then I was like, um, uh, I remember watching it at one point, and I was just like, I'm just like, I just started feeling sick to my stomach. I'm like, okay, don't look at the screen, just let the scene play out. Like,
0: <laughs> that's so funny. I for, I don't know why I never like had that reaction, but I just think I. I don't know. I always liked the weird creatures um, in Star Wars and stuff, so I think that's just like in Spaceballs. Of course, I was like definitely thought Pizza the Hut was really cool as a kid. <laughs> right. But um, I can definitely understand like that it kind of looks really gross too. So,
1: <laughs> um, all right. So this rolls into my final pick of the night, right? Yes. All right. So my final pick of the night is a movie called No Way Out. Have you ever seen this?
0: Uh, I'm familiar with it. I've never seen it. All right, this um, movie, this movie is
1: amazing, and yes. everyone needs to watch this. I will say this: the uh, the big famous sex scene from this movie was parodied in Hot Shots Part Two. Um, I
0: think I know exactly the. It's in the limo scene. It's the limo scene. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: that was parodied in Hot Shot Part Two, but um, <laughs> the the movie is astounding. So basically, uh, um. Kevin Costner is a Navy sailor who gets picked up for intelligence with the, um, with the CIA. And he starts working at the CIA. His, his boss played by Gene Hackman, um, him and Gene Hackman both fall in love with the same girl. And then the girl is murdered. And then the question is to who murdered the girl. And then it becomes this mystery, but, It's also a CIA thriller in terms of the conspiracy behind her murder. And then when you find out who did it and then like trying to clear your name and all that stuff. And then it is an older movie. So there's a part of the film where you have to deal with the fact that film kids. It's not like your cell phone today where you could take a picture and up. There's the picture. This is back in the day when you had to um, you took a picture and then you had to go get um, it developed. Yeah. And um, uh, you had to get the film developed and they have this one piece of film that it's like a negative. So they have to, like, work the negative backwards. So there's like a finite amount of time and the image, Kevin Costner knows what's on the image and it's going to incriminate him. So he has to prove the one thing on the other. Like, he has to prove it, that he wasn't actually involved before it happened. You know what I mean? So it's it's a intense thriller when you put it all together so nice yeah movies movies from beginning to end and it's one of those movies that keeps you guessing and it keeps you like and it keeps you on your toes and then it's intense and yeah it's it's a good movie so um no way out it's awesome everyone should check it out Uh, really
0: really good that's awesome yeah yeah i'll have to keep my eye out for this one um yeah, I just haven't seen it, unfortunately. But yeah, sounds great. <laughs> and then uh, uh, all I guess right, we can so your final pick of the night. Yes. Um, and you called it. It is uh, Princess Bride is my yeah. favorite movie from this year. Um, and I've already said a lot of things that are great about this movie that I really enjoy. Um, the only other thing I could say is uh, this is one of those things where like Princess Bride is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's one of those things where if I'm at work or something and. For some reason, people are going around like asking, what's your favorite movie? Princess Bride is one that comes out of my mouth a lot. Um, And it's also like partially it's like a really concise answer where like if you say Star Wars, then people start asking you like, which one's your favorite And then if you say anything other than Empire, then they really question that and stuff. And I just like uh, Princess Bride is like one of the first things I think of. And it truly is one of my favorites. And it, it is one of those things that I say a lot when people ask me. And, uh, yeah, it's just a great film overall. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if I have too much else to say about yeah, it. Yeah, I know. It's but... like we talked about it. like We've talked about it in previous episodes. And we've kind of been up <laughs> over the couple of
1: years we've been doing this show. So, yeah. Um... Yeah, check out the rest of our check out the rest of our library if you want to hear more about Princess Bride, because I know it comes up many <laughs> times. <laughs> just listen to
0: all I, I, of every episode just so you can get all of it, you know. I feel like it's only been like three or four other times though, but maybe I'm wrong. Um Yeah, I don't know. I've never it's <laughs> not like it's not like I have Princess Bride tracker. Um
1: <laughs> All right, so you're ready to hear it next week? Yes. Yeah. What are we doing? So I said. So you said we were doing retro in 1987. I said we were going to do retro a following week. So it's more uh, nostalgic than uh, retro. Um, the uh, so if if that's a way of wording it. Um, so what we're going to do is uh, a couple weeks ago we were talking about secret bases, and I kind of went on a whole diatribe of having to explain the television show Mask and the toys that went along with that show. So you could understand where that like where I was going with the base that that, you know, that one base that they were in, Volter Hill. But it made us like have this really cool conversation about toys. And so um, I'm going to steal the uh, title of the Netflix show. And next week is going to kind of be uh, the toys that made us episode. Um, so these are, uh, five toys and or toy franchises that we collected as kids and or now as adults, because we haven't grown up, um, that really take us back to that childhood. Awesome. Yeah. So like, and and I assume Lego is going to be on both of our lists, but my point is, is that like, this is like the, like as an adult, you're just like, oh, that takes me back. You know what I mean? Um, so that's kind of what I meant by retro slash, uh. Um, so these so it doesn't necessarily have to like there's really going to be no order. These are just literally five five toys or five toy lines, branches, that kind of thing that really like, you know, makes us think about our childhood or like special places in our hearts kind of stuff. So,
0: yeah, this is going to be a really fun one. It's uh, it's kind of one of those lists that's it's such a broad topic that. We could really pull in some very weird random things but uh i'm excited for this one this one should be a really fun episode yeah um
1: so yeah uh that's about it um do you have anything else you want to add
0: uh yeah i think i'm good for now okay
1: perfect (laughs) we have another episode in the can so uh if everyone would do us a favor and um Check out our website, top There you They will find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, uh, along with our uh, link to our email, top at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio. Um, on all those places, you can subscribe to us. And if you do, you will not miss a single episode. Uh, you can also leave us a review, which um, we love the five stars, but we also understand criticism because it helps us get better. And it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally
0: on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be letting you know that those aren't pillows. All right, man. Um, Well, top five report. I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh,
1: we'll see you next week. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone.